0: So I have the privilege of sharing part two of our series titled Reset uh, this evening. Um, So I must say thank you to everyone here for receiving me so warmly warmly last week, Um, and I pray that this evening will again uh, be a blessing to you. Have you ever felt totally unprepared for a test? It's relevant for us, for the university students. So I, I certainly felt like that when I was at university. I'm not, type, I'm not sure what type of student you are, but for the most part, at least in high school, I was a very diligent student. I did my homework. I, got, I studied hard. I was involved in extramurals. And I generally got good marks. Um, but then I got to varsity, and the sort of discipline and routine of high school was gone and I was left to my own devices. And, you know, partying up a storm wasn't my issue. In fact, my issue was playing too much sport. I, I was at university to study BCom accounting full-time, but I really relegated that priority to part-time at best. And I took up sport as my full-time activity. I was captain of the university rowing team whilst coaching rowing at my old school. I was reffing rugby while coaching ref- rugby at my old school. I was playing football whilst coaching junior football too. And uh, when I did have a break from my sporting commitments, I used my downtime not to uh, catch up on my studies, but to brush up on my golf. And so um the problem was that I actually got away with it at first. My hard work in and matric and, and in high school, it sort of set me up well for first year. And I kind of cruised through the first two years. Uh, okay. And then I got to third year and I got a wake-up call. Um, and so uh, in the middle of what should have been my university summer holidays, I had to ha, I had to write five rewrites in four days. I mean, we only had four subjects in a semester in third year. So that should give you an idea of how the academic year went. This is do not do as I, I did, please. Um, and so uh, through lots of hard work during the holidays and between Christmas and New Year and even more prayer, I passed all five rewrites and well enough to get into honors. And so, yeah, that's, praise the Lord for answered <laughs> prayers. The problem was, I had received the answer to my prayers, but I hadn't set myself up very well for the test that is honors in accounting. I had done enough to get by, but I hadn't done enough to prosper and succeed. I was facing a test which I had prayed for, honors in accounting, but I felt hopelessly unprepared for it. And perhaps you've received the answer to some of your prayers You've got what you prayed for, but like me, you feel unprepared for the test that seems set to determine your destiny. You feel unprepared to handle the blessing, like you're not set up for your, for success. And perhaps your test is scraping DP to get to an exam only to find that you feel hopelessly ill-equipped or perhaps your test is a new job or a new role at work. Uh, That is now coming across as a test of your competence. Perhaps it's something like becoming a parent or adding another child, and that is now a test of your character. Or perhaps, like me, it's becoming a husband. I'm not certain if I've mentioned this before, but (laughs) I I recently got married, um, if you didn't know. Amen. (laughs) Let's show my ring around. It's not going to get old. Sorry. Sometimes, like the 10 spies we spoke about last week, it feels like we've arrived in the promised land, the promised inheritance, which we have prayed for, but we feel totally ill-equipped to face the task or the test that will determine our destiny. But today, I'd like to encourage us from Scripture that we are, in fact, well-equipped for the test, that the testing God may put us through is not to defeat us or demoralize us or derail us. It is to teach us and guide us and coach us to live victoriously. We shouldn't be so distracted by other activities that we lose focus and take hold of that which God has equipped us with to live victoriously. The presence of giants to overcome or tests to face is not evidence that God is against us. It is instead evidence that we are walking in the promised land, just like Joshua and Caleb. The 10 spies who went in to scout the promised land with Joshua and Caleb came back telling a story of how they had been set up for failure and how the presence of giants and fortified cities was evidence of how God had forsaken them, or even worse, how God was against them and had set them up for for destruction. However, Joshua and Caleb's confidence was in the God who had delivered them from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The God who had parted the Red Sea and provided manna in the wilderness, who had provided water in a wasteland. They knew that their story thus far was their setup for success. They knew that defeating Pharaoh and parting the Red Sea was an obstacle only God could overcome. And so when they faced obstacles that seemed like God could only God could overcome, like giants and fortified cities. They had confidence that God in fact would overcome. Their perspective of their God was what set them apart from the other spies. They trusted that their God was greater than their giants and that the victory he'd granted them throughout their lives would be the victory that they saw in their future. And it's funny that though the other spies forgot about the hand of their God, the very things they were afraid of The giants and the fortified cities. Scripture tells us those giants trembled and those fortified cities trembled at the hand of the Lord. When they remembered what God had done for them in bringing Israel out of Egypt and parting the Red Sea and crossing the Jordan to get into the land of Canaan. It's amazing that sometimes our enemies seem more aware of the power of our God than we do. And when Joshua had led the Israelites into their promised inheritance and faced the very first opposition at Jericho, we read that Joshua encountered the commander of the army of the Lord who told Joshua, I have delivered them into your hands. Joshua was well equipped for the fight, for the Lord had declared him victorious before he even got onto the battlefield. When we enter our promised inheritance and are faced with opposition, remember that the Lord has declared you victorious. We have an invitation like Joshua to trust in God for our victory and patiently await that victory which He has granted for us. When the Lord determines the time to be right, those walls will fall and victory will await those who trust in the Lord. There's a risk to us thinking that opposition in our lives or obstacles to overcome or tests to face or Or battles to wage is a sign that God isn't for us, or that perhaps we aren't living in the destiny that God has planned for us. That's not to say that peace isn't a promise of God. Joshua and all the great kings of Israel had a season of peace, which followed humble trust and bold obedience in God when they went to war. But even after the Lord had given Israel peace from their enemies and rest for Joshua, The Lord allowed some giants to remain in the land after Joshua in order to teach the art of warfare to those who had never encountered warfare before in order to test whether they would remain obedient to God. Part of our promised inheritance from God is learning the art of warfare in order to grow our character and build our capacity to carry the blessing that God has installed for us. It's to test our trust in and obedience to God. He's helping us learn to be faithful with little so that he can entrust us with much. Last Sunday, uh, my brother was up here with his wife for the dedication of his second child in the morning service. I cried. I cry a lot sometimes, it seems. Um, but it's okay. But having had the privilege of watching both my brother um, and his wife raise their two girls and Vincent to let us worship and his wife raise their two girls, it's been interesting to see how in order for their children to grow in character and to learn to take responsibility for themselves, there is an element of testing that the parents do, whether it's coaxing them to crawl or helping them take that wobbly first step and then learning to walk, learning to run. It's certainly not cruel and they'll never give them more than they can handle and they'll always be there to help them through. But they also wouldn't be good parents if they left their children as babies and never helped them grow in their character and in their capacity. The testing of the children is done in love by the parents for the benefit of the children. And the same is true of how God loves us. God is preparing for us to run with perseverance the race of faith marked out for us. And to run a race in a way in in order to win a prize, it requires discipline. It requires uh, discipline to live a life worthy of the inheritance which God has called. And in order... I said earlier that I was studying BCom Accounting. In order for me to carry the designation of Chartered Accountant, it required discipline at varsity and a testing of my character and my competence to prove that if I could be faithful with little, then I would be entrusted with much. In order for my godchildren to become more and more responsible and to, to learn to carry more, it requires discipline and a testing to build both character and competence, so that as they become faithful with little, they will be entrusted with much more. In order to carry the blessing which God has in mind for us, it requires a disciplined character and an increase in our carrying capacity. Hebrews 12 says, my dear child, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he corrects you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he corrects everyone he accepts as his child. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? No discipline is seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The presence of testing in our lives is part of the process of God producing within us the character and capacity required to carry our promise. It's learning to take responsibility to handle the inheritance that he has in store for us. And God does not leave us ill-equipped for the test, and he will never put us through more than we can bear. He will protect us until we are ready, just as he protected the Israelites when he brought them out of Egypt. He will always offer a way out and His grace will always be sufficient for for us. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. But the testing in our lives is evidence of the presence presence of a loving Heavenly Father, not the absence of one. The testing He has brought us through thus far is a setup for the future that He has in mind for us. He has equipped us well for the fight of faith for our future. James 1 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There is a reward and an inheritance that the Lord has in store for us, which requires the facing of a test or the facing of a giant, the winning of a battle. We're very quick to turn away from discipline or from the facing of a giant When in fact it is developing within us the character to carry our future promise from God. The tests that we face, the giants we encounter, are producing within us a character of Christ-likeness and obedience to God. So today, this evening, I'd like to look at four ways for us to face tests head-on with perseverance. Courageous in the knowledge that the Lord has equipped us and has set us up for victory. So firstly... I'd like us to flip our story. Let's consider David. One perspective on David's life is that he was the forgotten son of his father, the only one of eight brothers who his father did not invite to eat with the prophet Samuel. He was left shepherding sheep. And while he was out shepherding sheep, he was attacked by a lion and a bear. And even after David was eventually called by his father and anointed by Saul, he was again left shepherding sheep instead of taking arms alongside his brother, his brothers to fight for Israel. And then he was asked to serve them sandwiches while they fought on the front line. And even after he did defeat Goliath, the man he fought on behalf of, Saul, then sought to persecute him. Then his men that followed him forsook him and he was isolated in a foreign land. If David looked at his story through this lens, he'd have been forgiven for thinking that he was not a well he was not well equipped to enter the inheritance which God has installed for him. In fact, he might have been forgiven for thinking God had abandoned him on route to his destiny. But David allowed God's testing to become his testimony. He trusted God as the author of his story and believed that his story was his setup. David saw that though his earthly father forgot about him, his heavenly father anointed him. David saw that while he was left tending his earthly father's sheep, his heavenly father was training him up to tend his sheep, the nation of Israel. David saw that though he was attacked by the lion and the bear, that the Lord helped him to overcome. And so that gave him confidence to overcome Goliath, the giant. giant. David saw that though his earthly father only asked him to deliver sandwiches to his brothers, his heavenly father asked him to deliver all of Israel from the hand of Goliath. David knew that though Saul sought to persecute him, God would promote him. He saw um, that though his men abandoned him, his Lord would never forsake him. David's life shows us how his story was his setup. David shepherded his father's sheep and in turn was raised to shepherd his, etern- his heavenly father's sheep, Israel. David delivered sandwiches and in turn was used by God to deliver Israel. David overcame the lion and the bear and this was his setup to overcome Goliath. First Samuel says, David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the lord be with you there is power in the way that we tell our story revelation 12 says they triumphed over him that's our enemy by the blood of the lamb it's the work of jesus and the word of our testimony there is power in the story of what god is doing in and through your lives you have been given everything you need for life and godliness you're more than a conqueror and you are victorious in battle Be bold and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. So what is your story? And how is your story setting you up for success? Secondly, we need to learn to fit our sling. We often think that David was ill-equipped to face Goliath. But not only had the testing of his character developed within him confidence to trust in the Lord for the battle, but he was actually better equipped than the giant that he faced. It was Goliath, after all, that brought a knife to a gunfight. We might think of David's slingshot as a toy, but David had this skill with the sling that was incredibly dangerous at at such close range and a target the size of a giant. So God had equipped David and Goliath was defeated before the battle even began. David allowed God to reset the way he told his story so that he could realize just how well-equipped he was to be victorious in battle. And the same is true of us. God does not leave us ill-equipped or unprepared or unqualified. We are well-equipped for warfare. We are well-equipped to be victorious in the battle of our lives. So you are equipped for battle. What is your sling? Your story is your sling. First Samuel 17 says, Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. David didn't wear Saul's armour or take his sword. He took what the Lord had equipped him with. Don't try someone else's armour on. Don't try be someone else. Use what God has placed in your hand. As God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? What has God given you to carry? What has he developed in you over your life that, you, that can be used by you to fight your giant and claim your victory? That which God has placed in your hand has set you up for success. And Ephesians 6 tells us how we've been equipped with everything we need for the fight. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, we have been equipped with everything we need to fight our battles. Fit your sling. Thirdly, we need to have the courage to face our giants the presence of a test or a battle or a giant is not a sign that god has forsaken us david reset the way he saw his giant goliath as an opportunity to trust in god for victory rather than an obstacle to his faith in god david uh, for david it took obedience to shepherd sheep that grew within him within him the character to shepherd the nation of israel it took the facing of a lion and a bear to grow within him the confidence in God to face Goliath. It took the testing of the Lord to mould him into the man for a mission. And the same is true for us today. When we encounter giants in our lives or test to overcome on route to our inheritance, we want to have the confidence that David had in the Lord, not shrink back in fear like his brothers. We want to have the confidence that Joshua and Caleb had in the Lord, not shrink back like the other 10 spies. Moses' victory came when he faced Pharaoh. Joshua's victory came when he faced the giants of the promised land. David's victory came when he faced the giant Goliath. Our giants are there to teach us the art of warfare and to test our obedience. David went on to say, all those gathered here will know that it is by the sword, not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's and the victory is ours. So we are to be bold and courageous. For the Lord gives us victory. It is not by power nor by, might, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. God said to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God said to Moses, so now go, face Pharaoh. I'm sending you there to bring my people out of Egypt. Like Isaiah the prophet, our heart towards God should be, here am I, send me Lord. Like David, we should say, let no one lose heart on account of our enemy. Your servant will go and fight him. We should be measuring the size of our God rather than the size of our giants, confident in the fact that God goes before us and has equipped us for victory in battle. Goliath is a bit like our enemy, full of big talk, trying to intimidate and deceive us like a roaring lion. But we have the true lion, the lion of Judah, through whom our enemy is already defeated, and through whom we, like David, are declared victorious before the battle even begins. The ultimate battle was fought and won by Jesus on the cross. So we are declared victorious, and the cross is our victory emblem. Those spiritual forces that we read about earlier in Ephesians 6, Colossians tells us what Jesus did with them. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus has given us victory for all eternity. And our invitation is to step boldly and courageously into our victory. So what's your giant? That which God has placed in front of you, he has delivered into your hand. Face your giant with boldness and courage. And finally, we need to find our boundaries. Moses, Joshua, and David were all tasked with implementing and maintaining boundaries in order to protect the freedom, the blessing, and the inheritance that the Lord had given them. Healthy boundaries and a remembrance of the Lord establishes peace. They are the disciplines that we read about in Hebrews 12 that produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. God said to Moses in Numbers 33, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you live. We are tasked with the ruthless elimination of that which is not from God in our lives. The testing of the children of Israel was to see whether they would maintain obedience to God and trust in God, the one who had given them their inheritance, or whether they would allow things to infiltrate their inheritance and therefore squander it. They became barbs in their eyes and thorns in their sides. As I mentioned earlier, and I haven't mentioned it often before, but I recently got married. And um, when we, my wife and I went on honeymoon, we had the privilege of going to a game farm. And in chatting to the game ranger who was responsible for the farm, he said that one of his most important tasks was to do a daily check Of the boundaries of the game farm. Part of the boundary lines are to ensure that their valued assets remain on their property. But another important part of having healthy, strong, well-maintained boundaries was to ensure that things didn't get in and destroy and devour their valued assets or the things that their valued assets need. They couldn't have other animals coming in, drinking from their watering hole and having their animals go thirsty They couldn't even have large herds of elephants coming through, which seems like a good thing, but would destroy all the plants, vegetation, all the trees, all the protection for those animals that needed it, or the food that they needed it. And sure, sometimes the boundary fences, even though they were well-maintained, were scaled by the leopards, and the leopards got in. And sometimes the elephants caused a bit of destruction or the baboons along with them. But those animals would have run rampant in their game farm if they didn't establish healthy boundaries. God requires of us discipline today in order to establish boundaries that protect the inheritance He has for us. We don't want to squander our inheritance because we aren't willing to fight for it and we aren't willing to establish boundaries that protect that which God has given us. Psalm 16 says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. So where's your boundary? What boundary lines do you need to reinforce to protect and safeguard the inheritance that God has in store for you? Today, I'd like to remind us that when we are faced with a test, a giant or a fight for our future, this is part of God's preparation for His promised inheritance for us. And that we are well equipped for the fight and that God has set us up to be victorious. David did little things like they were big things. And so God did big things like they were little things. He was faithful with little. And so God entrusted him with much. Discipline helps determine our destiny. And discipline is love. Persevering through, persevering through testing and learning the art of warfare to fight for our future, for our inheritance, for our, our, our blessing, our destiny, produces within us a harvest of righteousness and of peace. Spiritual warfare looks like humble trust in and bold obedience to God. It looks like flipping our story, turning our testimony around, for it is by our testimony that we overcome. It's fitting our sling, that that which God has equipped us with for our fight, not trying to be someone we're not. It's facing our giants with boldness and courage, knowing that the Lord has declared us victorious. And it looks like finding the boundary lines for our, which have fallen on favorable places for we have a delightful inheritance. God has set us up for the win and our invitation is to walk in that victory. If you're able to, I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we close in prayer. As you stand, I'd like to remind you that there'll be personal prayer available for you up front after the service or communion available on either side. Coffee, coffee, uh, For any visitors or new guests, free of charge in Entrance 3. Afterwards, our team will be on hand to meet you. And then coffee for sale in Warehouse 1. The lights are back on and Seattle is open. So shall we pray? Father, we are so grateful that you are our Father who loves us and has our best interests at heart. Thank you that out of your love for us, you grow us and stretch us for our own good. Thank you that in the testing you are faithful, that you never test us beyond what we can handle, but instead your grace is always sufficient for us. Thank you that through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have declared us victorious even before we set foot on the battlefield, for the battle is the Lord's and the cross is our emblem of victory. Thank you that you teach us the disciplines required to help determine our destiny, that your boundary lines have fallen for us on favorable places, that surely we have a delightful inheritance in you. And so we thank you for this in the wonderful perfect and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us with church.